His mercy, His grace, aren't you? Come on, am I talking to a church that believes in God's mercy and grace? Hallelujah. I'm thankful for that. It's good to see everybody in the house of the Lord. I know that we are in unprecedented times and different times for sure. And uh, we need God more than ever. Amen. We need His guidance. There is no handbook on, on how to handle a pandemic. There's no handbook on how to mold through the, the, the chaos that we've been living in, not just with the pandemic, but also just with the, the riots and the protests and all of that stuff. That's just it's our country is more divided than it probably has been in a long time. And it's extremely unfortunate. But there is a God in heaven that still sits on the throne. He's still in control. He still knows what we need before we can ever even ask. And I am thankful that I know His name and His name is Jesus. And He is in control. Praise God. I want you to turn your attention to 2 Samuel chapter 6. 2 Samuel chapter 6. I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version. Whatever version you're reading along, just follow along here. The 2 Samuel chapter 6. At this time... David had been placed into the kingdom as, um, you can probably mute the uh, cordless as well if that's not muted. But in this time in history, Samuel is, or uh, David has been placed on the throne and now he's trying to get the Ark of the Covenant back home with Israel because the Philistines still have control of it. And actually, as they've taken control over it, they're bringing it back. But then all of a sudden, what is that noise? Just keeps kind of making that noise. I don't know why. I'm not doing anything, I promise. Um, but as we find here, and David is trying to get it back, and then there's this guy that uh, touches the ark as it's falling to try to brace it, and then God immediately smotes him. And that's a whole other Bible study itself. And so we find in 2 Samuel 6, verse 10, So David would not move the ark of the Lord with him into the city of David because of this situation. He didn't know what to do. He was really troubled. He was kind of upset or frustrated with God, not knowing what God wanted him to do. But David took it aside into the house of Obedeam, Obedeam the Gittite, which actually is a Philistine. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obedeam, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obadiah's house and his whole household. Verse 12, now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obadiah and all that and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obadiah to the city of David with gladness. If you want to go to 1 Chronicles 15, 24, my PowerPoint's not up there. Did it shut down? <laughs> there we go. Thank you. First uh, Chronicles fifteen twenty four says, Shabaya, or Shabaniah, Josephat, Nethanol, Amaziah, Zechariah, Benaniah, and Eleazar, the priests were below were to blow the trumpets before the ark of God, and Obadiah and Jehiah, the doorkeepers for the ark. With the help of the Lord, I would like to talk to us about 
the doorkeeper. The doorkeeper. Can we just close our eyes one more time and just pray and just ask God to bless this time, the rest of this, this sermon. Can we do that together? Jesus, we thank you for your word. And God, we bless your name above all names. And God, we ask you right now that you would anoint us to receive your word, that you anoint us to hear what it is that you want to say to us. And God, we call upon you, Lord, in this place, in Jesus' name, to minister, God, the remainder of this service and open us to what it is that you want to speak to us about. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. It was 1999, and it was a September day in San Antonio. When a 10-month-old baby girl, could you change the slide, please, to the title? Thank you. Locked inside, was locked inside a car by accident by her aunt. Frantically, the mother and the aunt ran around the auto in near hysteria, while the neighbor attempted to unlock the car with the clothes hanger. And soon the infant was turning purple and had foam on her mouth. It had become a life-or-death situation when Fred Aurelia a, a record driver arrived on the scene. He grabbed a hammer and he just smashed the back window of the car to set her free. Was he Harold a hero? No. In fact, the lady was mad at him because he broke the window. He later reported, I just thought what's more important, the baby or the window? Most questions of priority are not between something important and something trivial. Rather, they're between the important and the most important. Sometimes we can easily forgive what, it's, what is most important in our lives and sometimes we get caught up in our conveniences and what people think about us and forget how important it is to keep God at the very center of our lives. Praise and prayer and Bible reading and reaching the lost and ensuring all this is in our homes should be our highest priority. Amen? The highest priority. And we are to be the doorkeeper to these things. Can someone hand out my papers I printed off? I used to do this. I need to get back to printing this off so you have something to take home. Or if you want to take notes, you can. But see, if we're not careful, we can either allow the right things to be the center of our homes and lives and this church, or we can allow the wrong things to be the center of our lives or this church. I want to be a good doorkeeper, don't you? If you want to be a good doorkeeper, say amen. amen. To ensure that we must make the right thing the center of our life. We find a great example of that here in our text. The Ark of the Covenant, if you're not familiar with what it is, it represents the very presence of the Lord and the center of Jewish faith. Throughout the Old Testament, God uses physical things that you can see to represent His presence, such as the Ark of the Covenant or the, the, loud, the cloud in the sky or Mount Sinai or a burning bush and etc. This does not mean He only dwells where those objects are, but more or less, it's where He would magnify His presence. Remember, God is a spirit and a spirit does not have flesh and bones. Their faith was critical regarding the ark, as well as the respect and reverence in regards to praise and worship in the presence of the ark. Now, the Jews understood that God's presence was anywhere. 
And that they did not have to have the ark in order to praise and worship. But the reverence towards it spoke to the reverence towards God. I know this is really just kind of teaching type of stuff, but I'm, 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 I'm making a foundation for us here. Paul said in the book of Hebrews that without faith, it's impossible to please God. And James said that faith without works is dead. In other words, the Jews knew God was their ever-present help and that they could call on Him at any time, anywhere. However, their demonstration of faith was always revealed by their reverence for the Ark of the Covenant. You saw their faith by how they reverenced the Ark of the Covenant. Yes, in their homes, which is extremely important. And what we've got to understand, and I'm going to get to in a little bit, we've got to have praise and worship, but the outside world doesn't see that. So the Jews' faith was seen by their respect and awe and reverence of the Ark of the Covenant. And the other Philistines, they knew this. Matter of fact, in, uh, in Israel's history, there was times the Philistines, there was actually one moment where they got scared because the Israelites pulled out the Ark. It's like the secret weapon. You know, just imagine a secret weapon got pulled out of nowhere and all of a sudden the enemy's like, whoa, they got the secret weapon out. That's how the Ark of the Covenant was. It was a secret weapon. And when they pulled that out, they knew God was always doing stuff when he came out in that presence. It's like the Philistines had faith in the Ark of the Covenant. So, however, in other words, the Jews knew God was their ever-present help and they can call on Him at any time and anywhere. However, their demonstration of faith was always revealed by their reverence for the ark. Also remember, they did not have the infilling of God's Spirit, only the presence. And they knew His presence was around them, but they knew the location that His presence was magnified was at the Ark of the Covenant. In other words, the infilling of the Holy Ghost was at the Ark of the Covenant. I don't know if you're catching that. They didn't get to have the infilling of the Holy Ghost that we get to have today. If they wanted to get anywhere close to that, they had to go to the ark. Because that's where God's spirit was magnified. And can I say, he was infilled in that ark. Like he was infilled in that fire, that burning bush when he talked to Moses. When that, Listen, you know that any burning bush is going around there. We don't have to take off our shoes because it's holy ground. But they didn't. God didn't do anything to the ground when Moses came up. It was the fact that God indwelled and filled that bush with fire and a spirit that all of a sudden that whole area became holy. So that's what the Ark of the Covenant was to them. It was a holy thing. And wherever the Ark was, God's magnified presence was located. And especially if you had faith in it, it was even more magnified. What this means... is that they knew if they approached that ark wrong and out of order, they would die. They understood that. They would die if they approached it incorrectly. If they came to it incorrectly. That is why God had a specific order to how things operated around His presence. There was a certain process that they had to follow. Only Levites, priests, can touch the ark. Not just a, 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 a random person in the tribe of Israel. Only a Levite can touch that thing. That's why that man died. And so the order that, that David had going on was out of order. 
That's why God judged that man. And really, he was judging all of Israel in that moment. He's saying, you're approaching my presence incorrectly. I have a process that you need to follow. If you read all of 1 Chronicles 15, you will find that David and the Levites got things right this time around when they went back to Obadiah's house to grab that ark. See, this time around, they had singers, and they had musicians, and they had doorkeepers, and they had priests that were all present around the ark, and they had a certain format and formation when it came to God's presence and carrying that presence around. Listen, when you got the Holy Ghost, you don't just still get to act any way you want to act. You got the Holy Ghost inside of you and you've got to act the way God wants you to act because his presence is inside. He still calls us to live a lifestyle holy to him. And I can only imagine, though, how Obadiah felt when they came to grab that ark. See, listen, for the last three months of Obadiah's house, it was blessed because the ark was sitting in the center of their home. Come on, am I preaching to somebody this morning? Amen. It was in the center of their home. It was right in the middle. That's where the Ark of the Covenant was. He and his family were blessed because God's presence was magnified in his home. See, when the kids and the parents got around during the day, God's presence was always there. They were always walking by the presence of the Lord, the magnified presence of the Lord. When they ate, God's presence was there. And it wasn't just the casual presence. No, sir. It was his magnified presence. And for those three months, that family was blessed. He was so blessed that news got back to David that his house was blessed. And I started wondering when I was reading that. What did he hear? What was presented back to David to say that Obedee's house was blessed because of the ark? I mean, there had to be something that took place on the outside that made people say, man, there's something going on on the inside. There's something going on in that home. And the only thing that you can give credit to is the center of God's presence, that ark that's in the center of their home. They're blessed. Whatever they got going on in their life is because of that ark. And something came back to David saying they're blessed. And see, the scripture doesn't tell us what they were told. But let me just kind of insert some things. And maybe back in our day today, how it would look like today if this was present. So this person, say it's yourself. You have the Ark of the Covenant in your home. It's, it, was, it happened to be dropped off by your house. And they just pushed it in there. So we're going to leave it here for a little while. Don't touch the thing, but we're going to leave it here. And you just don't touch it. We'll come back later on when we figure this thing out, how we're going to take God's presence back. Obadiah's like, oh, hey, no problem. You can drop this thing in here. That's fine. So this might be the things that people heard. Maybe this is what David heard about this, your home that had the Ark of the Covenant in it. Wow, did you hear about the raise they got at their work? It was a big one. Wow, I'm so impressed with how those kids are acting now. Since they got God in the middle of their life, it's not other stuff. I heard they were praying with their family every single day and having removed some things in their home that distracts their kids and family from God. And now they seem so much more blessed. Wow, did you hear about that church service yesterday? God poured out his presence. People were shouting and dancing and jumping. And many got baptized and filled with the Holy Ghost because of that presence. Did you hear about so-and-so's child? They, they got the Holy Ghost, not at the church, but in their house. 
That, that child of theirs, they were praying with, all of a sudden God filled the Holy Ghost, started speaking a language they didn't know, and God did it right there in their home. And they had nothing, they had no band in there, they had no perfect musicians, they didn't have even a sermon going on in that aspect. Imagine hearing those things and being the one that experienced it, as I said, and then all of a sudden you find out they're coming to grab that. And you knew that very presence, that magnified presence of God is the reason you're seeing all that you're seeing in your home. Because you made God the center. I'd be crushed if I was him. I can only imagine the reaction when David came knocking and asking for the ark. I'm sure he was sad. But flash forward to the New Testament. Now we don't have to go near an object to experience the magnified presence of God. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you thankful that now you don't have to go all the way to another country and go find out where the ark is so you can get close to the presence of God, the magnified presence. Instead, you can magnify the presence of God inside your home, inside your heart, because you've got the Holy Ghost inside. And I'll tell you, one of the ways that you magnify God's presence is through a thing called praise. That's why dead churches don't have praise. They rely on someone else to sing a couple songs. But you know a live church is a live church when they're just getting excited about God because they're praising God and they're clapping and they're shouting. They look crazy in there. But I'll tell you what, there's a reason it's crazy. It's because they're magnifying God and we love what we feel and we love what He's done for our life. And so we're giving Him glory for what He's done for us. It's magnifying His presence. It's praising His name. And we can do that anywhere we are. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. But if we want to have the blessings of God, then we have to ensure that He's the center of our life and our homes. We all are our own doorkeepers to the presence of God in our hearts. It's not the job of the musicians to get us into the presence of God. It's not the job of the sound person or the person controlling the screen to make sure the words are going right so you can keep into the beat of God. I understand order, I get all that. But listen, I've been in services where it was horrible, things were just whacked out, the music was messed up, but God still poured out. You know why? Because I wasn't going to let them determine the presence of God for me. I'm my own doorkeeper. So I decided I'm going to praise God. I'm going to get excited about God. Because I want His presence. I'm the one that determines that. It's not on them. It's not on the pastor, it's not on the Sunday school teacher, the youth leader, whoever it is. It's not on them to get you there. It's on yourself to get yourself there. Amen. You're your own doorkeeper. Amen. Yes, I might behind closed doors talking to musicians and we might have a conversation. You need to set the pace. But it's truly not on them. It's truly on us ourselves. We are the doorkeepers. We are the pace setters. We are the ones that are to do that. And one of the ways, again, is praising Him. And a place where we can learn how is in church, but most importantly, your Bible. I've heard people say before, oh, yeah, that's just not me. I don't, I don't do all that stuff. I don't shout. I don't dance. I don't jump. I don't, I don't do all that stuff. That's just not my, my, my personality. That, that's, just, that's just a Pentecostal thing. 
Oh, that's just a that's just a Southern Baptist, like down South Baptist kind of thing. Oh, that's just that cultural thing. Oh, that's just that country. That's just they're just really excited. Oh, it's just it's the Hispanic thing. They just get the Hispanic brethren. They get excited, or or the African American brethren, their sisters. They just get excited about. God. No, it has nothing to do with the North South color creed culture. It's about the one that we worship. It's about the one that died on a cross. It's the one that did that for me. He's my doorkeeper. I'm my own doorkeeper into His presence. So I'm gonna worship Him and get excited about that because of what he's done for me listen but i do have bible for you the bible says if you go ahead and read psalm 150 there's a couple other ones but if you go to psalm 150 i don't have it in my notes here but i'll just pull it out because i got a bible praise ye the lord praise god in his sanctuary praise him in the permit of his power praise him for his mighty acts praise him according to his excellent greatness praise him with the sound of the trumpet Praise Him with the psaltery and heart. Praise Him with the timbrel and the dance. Praise Him with the, with the stringed instruments and organs. Praise Him upon loud cymbals. Yes. Did I say fly ones? Yeah, that's right. The loud cymbals. God loves the house that's loud. He loves the church. Listen, I'll tell you one thing I still love. I love having five kids. It's never <laughs> quiet in our house. You might think, oh, that's just crazy. No, you don't understand. That's joy that I'm hearing. That's laughter that I'm hearing. That's the future that I'm hearing. That's the voices of love and mercy that I'm hearing. That's what makes me excited about having all that craziness. That's the same thing in God's house. When he has a noisy house, that means it's his noisy children calling out his name and praising him and getting excited about it. That's what he's about. It's praising his name because of who he is. Amen. And these things are biblical things. Because yeah. I don't do them. It was just the other day, me and my wife, we were going to the neighbors to drop off a gift, and we hadn't really truly introduced ourselves to them. We, like, wave every once in a while. We haven't actually, like, truly met them. And we're pulling up, and I'm like, you go. <laughs> I don't want to go. You go. And I, I was just kidding, though. But really, inside, I didn't want to go. People think, oh, Pastor, you're just outgoing. That's not, that's not it. I'm not outgoing. I would rather sit in an office and work by myself alone and get stuff done. That's me. That's my personality. That's who I am. I have to push myself out. I have to push myself out of door. I got to push. And it's the same thing with praise. Oh, you're just, you're just an excited person. That's why you jump and shout and dance. No, no, no. It took a long time for me to break that in my life. But once I broke that, I didn't want to go back. I didn't want to go back to being dead. Yeah. I didn't want to go back to not being alive. Yeah. I'm telling you, there's something that attracts people to a, a church that believes in praise like you should believe in praise. It's the fact that they're praising with excitement and love. They're excited about their God. Listen, I went and I did everything. Matter of fact, this is how I grew up. I didn't grow up in a church. I thought from all the movies I ever watched, Catholic Church was just a church and it was all about Catholicism. That was where the most truth was. And my brother married a, a, a Catholic, and he never went. You know, that was, it was kind of ironic how your family, your kids will sometimes follow your pattern. So, so their mom, dad, who was actually my recruiter, he never went to Catholic Church either. But he always told me this. I used to have certain discussions with him and actually silence. And he's a history buff like me, but he used to say, if there's any church I never go to, be the Catholic Church. They're the oldest church. They're the oldest I'm not going to get into what I told him now, but this is how he was. He never went. And so my brother was the same way. He's like, well, I'm married, but I'm not going to church. 
But I just always assumed that was just where it was at. And so I tried there, I tried other churches, and all of a sudden I go to this crazy little church called the Apostolic Revival Center. I couldn't say apostolic. I'm like, I don't know what that is. Revival, revival, I think I, I don't even know what revival is. Center, I got that. That one, hey, that's easy for you. And you know what? Then they just say, hey, ARC. Oh, I remember that. ARC. That's easy. ARC. I go to ARC. But I remember going there. The people all of a sudden in the church start going like this. There's one guy, and he's just. I mean, he's like high stepping. Like the dude was like, he's like Heisman Trophy. He was like 60 years old. And he's doing the Heisman Trophy pose. He's just like high stepping. Jesus. You know, he's just excited about God. And all these other people. And I didn't even see young people. That was the one thing that got me the most was kids. When I saw kids weeping and crying in the altar, I knew there was something about this place. Because you just can't fake that. You can't fake it. That's the problem the churches have is getting kids involved and getting them interested in any of it. But they felt it. They knew what they felt and what they experienced was a mom and dad driving down their throat. They felt something different. And when I saw that, that right there didn't try. I didn't get scared. Especially when they showed me the Bible says you can do those things. Especially when they showed me Scripture. And then they pointed out the, the athletic thing. You've got people in stadiums, which is a little bit different right now. I don't know how they're doing it now. They have no fans. It's actually quite comical, really. But the fact is, is that when it comes to the presence of God, when it's magnified, man, but it comes through praise. It comes through us lifting his name up and praising his name above all names. But notice the Bible doesn't say our personality is an excuse to not step out in our outward demonstrations of worship and praise. Our praise is a doorkeeper to God's magnified presence. I'll say that again. Our praise is a doorkeeper. To God's magnified presence. You want his presence magnified in your life? Praise him. Even when you don't feel like it. You just do it. Even when it's outside of your personality, you just do it. Even when it's a little bit louder than you normally are, you just do it. You praise him. You glorify him. I'm telling you. One of the greatest ways to get yourself... You want to reach people? You want to reach family members? You want to reach neighbors? Praise God with everything in your heart. I'm going to tell you the reason why. The more outward you are about praise, the less you'll care after a while about what people think. And the more you stop thinking about what people think, the less you're going to care about when you... You want to know some of the greatest soul winners, the people that reach lost. They're the people that are running and blitzing down the aisles. And they're running back and forth. They're shouting and screaming for God and they're dancing. And when they get on the streets, they have no problems. And you need to come to church. Here's a problem. You should come to church. And a lot of people are attracted to that. They're attracted, not because these people are outgoing, because a lot of them are not. My mother of the gospel, she is not outgoing, but she has been pushed herself into that, to where she's that way. What I'm saying is that we are doorkeepers. We are doorkeepers in church service. We are doorkeepers in our community. We are doorkeepers in our jobs. We are doorkeepers in our homes. We are doorkeepers to God's magnified presence. Listen, there's a, there's a, you can look it up on Google. You can uh, Google it. I can't remember when it was. It was at least eight years ago now. Um, there was a UPC. Uh, well, there was UPC, our church. Actually, just look it up. Atlanta Pentecostal. Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. Is that what it's called? 
Atlanta West Pentecostal Church. They were at the Gospel Awards uh, for all the choir. And they won two years in a row. And they won it. And that last song they won it on, that they lost it. They lost it. I mean, the choir director's just going like this, right on live TV. Just going nuts. I mean, the whole thing blew up. And then even like Kirk Franklin there was like, whoo, wow, we feel something. They got even the gospel guy, the, the, the judges started getting into it. Because it was just God's presence poured out. It's because God's magnified presence. And what they did is there was a lady that was, or was a guy who was a teacher at a school in St. Louis. And he brought it to a school. And he was just showing one of his co-workers this. And all of a sudden, they said this lady comes walking in there into uh, the classroom and says, what is that? They were playing a power, but even, she didn't even know the music. She says, what is that feel? And they're like, well, we're watching this choir. It's God's presence. And they start actually ministering. Next thing you know, this whole thing starts pouring out in their school. The, the principal actually they end up being apostolic anyways. But they had come in, they started praying some teachers through. And, and all of a sudden, this thing spread out to other places. And this, this teacher ended up helping a Baptist church get a hold of the revelation of God, of his oneness and the pouring out of the spirit that this pastor asked this teacher to come preach a couple times to tell them about all this. And all of a sudden, their whole church got baptized. I mean, this whole thing poured out. Do you know where it started? From a bunch of people that were on stage praising God. All of a sudden, a doorway was opened up and people started saying, what is that? I want to get some of that. And all of a sudden, they started walking in that doorway and they didn't want to go back out. That's what God's presence does. That's what we can do. When we lift up God, it's not just here. My prayer is always that it doesn't just consume this building. When we worship and praise and do what we do, that there's an outflow that pours out of the streets of Bemidji. There's a presence thing that pushes out so that people, when they're driving by, they either say, man, there's something i got to go there for, or they feel something as they're driving by, and they know there's something in that building. But it's from praise. It's from worship. It's from magnifying God. We are doorkeepers for this community. We are doorkeepers to Bemidji. You are a doorkeeper to your neighborhood. You're a doorkeeper to your job. You're a doorkeeper to your family. And you are. What you do is when we praise God, we open a door for them. It opens a door. So they're going to walk through and feel what we get to feel, what we get to experience. The Bible says that he inhabits the praises of his people. But it doesn't say only when good music is playing. It doesn't always say when my song is played. God inhabits the praises of his people means it doesn't matter what others think. I'm going to get my praise on. I'm going to get my dance on. I'm going to get my worship on. I don't care if none of y'all go with me. I'm still going to worship him. I'm still going to. I would pray and wish that someday our church gets such a hold of it that while I'm preaching, people start jumping up and start shouting and start dancing and start saying, come on, we got to worship God and praise him. Instead of waiting for somebody up here to do it, and we do it ourselves. Oh, that's just so and so. They, they, that's just how they are. Oh, it's just his pastor. He's got it. He's a pastor. Well, I can tell you, plenty of churches with a pastor don't do all that. I can tell you, there's other people doesn't. I'm not talking them down. I'm not saying start looking at platforms saying, "Oh, that guy doesn't got it." So we are the doorkeeper to God's presence, and in God's presence, anything can happen. You understand that we could be literally unlocking things. <laughs> we can literally be unlocking things. 
When we praise God and we worship God, we can literally be unlocking things in life. We can be unlocking addiction. We can be unlocking healing for people's lives. They can receive healing. We can, when I say unlocking addiction, I mean I should say unlocking deliverance for addiction. The chains literally be falling down during prayer. I have seen it. I've experienced it. I've been a part of it. Where I believe there's been an explosive worship service. And before the preaching even starts, there's people that got the Holy Ghost. There's someone that's been healed. Someone's been touched by God. Things have already took place. Where did that happen at? During worship, during praise. Because when we open the door to God's presence, anything can happen. Anything can happen. That's why we can't be afraid to take this message outside. We can't be afraid to go out there and preach this gospel message and not be ashamed of it. Because where God's presence is, He's going to protect us and keep us safe. Even if persecution comes, the pastor said we're going to be protected and safe. Yes, I did. But we are not the ones that, that measure what that means. Sometimes we're so busy measuring that. Oh, I got persecuted, so that means God's not listening. That doesn't mean that. God can be using your circumstance to minister to somebody's life. I will never understand. I've said in this church a hundred times, I'll say it a hundred times more. I'll never understand why my, one of my best friends, Mike Hopkins, will take it away. I don't get it. The dude was doing so much stuff outside the church. I mean, he was feeding homeless by the hundreds and thousands. He was praying deaf people through the Holy Ghost. I mean, God was using to my great pace. I don't know why he took him. But I'll tell you what, it wasn't God condoning anything and saying, condemning anything. It wasn't God saying, well, you know what? Even though he prays for me, I'm still not listening. He very well was listening. But that's going to heaven. That's where our goal is. I've heard people preach, and I know they say, if you don't get your healing here, you get your healing in heaven. And that's easy to hear when you don't have a thing you need to be healed of. I get it. I get the cliche to that. But you know what? Some things there's no other deep answer to it besides just that. You get healed in heaven. Sometimes that's just the way it is. It doesn't take away that he's not a healer. He is still a healer. He is still a miracle worker. He's still a promise keeper. He's still a provider. He's still worthy of praise. And we are doorkeepers to that presence. I got a reason. We are doorkeepers to that. We got to understand that. We are doorkeepers. The other aspect we must understand is parents are the doorkeepers to the presence of God in their home, especially fathers. As we are called to be the spiritual leader in our homes, we are the main doorkeepers. Can I get an amen from the men? God doesn't allow us to put it in on our wife and say she is more gifted one or more spiritual or is gifted is the gift of one or more spiritual one than me. So that's just on her. And to be candid, she very well may be more spiritual and more gifted than you. But just like you may be more talented than your pastor or your boss or someone that you have to, you have to submit to or go to, you'll have to follow their process. And in that role of a pastor, it's trusting that pastor is following God's vision. That being said, you can't put the blame on the church if you and your child doesn't live for God. I've heard it too many times. My kid grew up in the church. Last time I checked, there's no cots in the church. There's no dressers and beds. and Nobody's living at the church. Nobody grew up in the church. 
It's not the church's fault that your kid backslid and walked away. It is, and I'm not even always saying it's always your fault. But if you're not letting God be the center of your home and you're not being the doorkeeper of what goes in that home, then yes, it does come down on us as parents. If we're not being the proper doorkeeper, if we're not being the fathers that we should be and the mothers that we need to be, and making sure that what we don't allow in the home, we stop it at the door. Listen, I've been listening. Yesterday I was, we were at an in-law's house and one of the kids were watching something. It wasn't terrible, but it was just enough to where I just got uneasy. And I just say, you know, we don't watch that. Another person, the mom, actually spoke up. She said, hey, that's fine. Just shut it off. Just move something else. Later on, the kid turns it on again. So I just turned my kids and turned it away. I was very noticeable about it. But I will tell you, it took about three minutes for me to actually finally do something. Listen, just because I'm a pastor doesn't make it easier for me. It's just as hard for me to do that. It was just as uncomfortable to do that. It was just as embarrassing, if you want to call it, to do that. But as the father of the home and the father of these kids, I have to be the doorkeeper. I have to answer to God when I get to heaven. And I want to make sure that I was the best doorkeeper that I could possibly be so that when they get out of the house, they have the best chance to live for God. I expire, refuse to allow that any of my kids are not going to live for God. I refuse to think it. I'm going to do everything I can. I'm not going to force it. But I'm going to try to do is lead every way I can. I want to be the doorkeeper of their soul. I want to be the doorkeeper that helps them know the God has to help them answer the hard questions that get asked. But that doesn't happen just because I, I don't know everything. I don't. I have to read books just like you. I got to listen to stuff just like you. I got to reach out to elders just like you. I got to ask mentors just like you. I got to pray just like you. I got to open up my Bible just like you. I have to do the same thing, folks. That being said, I get the analogy, but with the statement is the air. No child ever grew up in the church. Your child and my child don't grow up in the church. They grow up in our homes. And it's up to us to ensure they grow up knowing Jesus, trusting Jesus, asking Jesus to help them, loving Jesus, worshiping Jesus, praying to Jesus, reading about Jesus, and serving Jesus. We are the doorkeepers. When's the last time you disciplined your child and you talked about Jesus through the process? It's not easy to do, I understand. But listen, dads, it's up to us to keep the garbage out of our homes. I know I'm meddling. I get it. But I believe God has given me something. I was just going to preach on praise and worship. And then God led me down this doorkeeper road. And all of a sudden, I was just going to read. Actually, Psalm 150 was the one I was just going to preach on. Because it had all the stuff I want to talk about. All the different type of praise. But God showed me something different. Showed me, let, let us right into this, this doorkeeper. I believe God is trying to talk to some dads. Trying to talk to some moms. We have to ensure that spiritual wickedness is not present in our homes. And yes, those things can come via what you watch on that screen. What you put in front of that screen, what you put on these, on these devices. Yes, on these very devices has things on there. There's a reason why people are talking against TikTok. There is stuff on there. Listen, there are things in there that are taking kids. It is polluting their minds and adults too. I understand there's some, there's some engaging things. There's some, there's some beats and stuff like that they do that try to draws you in. But I'm going to tell you right now, there are things that you've got to be careful of in those things. We've got to be mindful of the screens. And you might think, well, hey, the, the spirit doesn't come out of the screen. And you're right, it 
doesn't. But I'm going to tell you what, when you allow worldliness in your home, worldly spirits will be attracted to you. And you'll, you think, oh, I can fight this and push off. Oh, yeah, you might. But it's worldly. And the more of that stuff's in our homes and in our lives, it attracts worldly spirits. The Bible says that the, that the spirit, there's a thing called familiar spirits. That's what all the devils are, familiar spirits. They familiar themselves with sinful things. And when they, when they feel after that, they sense that. If you're watching things, if you're listening to things, if you're bringing things in your home, you're wearing certain things, or going certain places, you're going to attract that thing. And it's subtle. It's very subtle. It doesn't just come out like a roaring lion. We talked about weeks ago about spiritual warfare. That's not the devil. His attitude's a roaring lion, but his conduct is a subtle spirit. Subtle as a serpent. He just slithers his way in. Next thing you know, before you know, your kids are struggling. They're struggling with the things because of the things they watch. You're seeing attitudes change. It's getting worse and worse and worse. I'm going to tell you the first thing to check is what's in the home. You might have to get radical enough and chuck stuff out of the house for a while. Just to get stuff back organized. And then figure out, is it something we allow back in? Do we just suddenly let it back in? We're just keeping it outside. Because I'm telling you, if we're not careful of what we're allowing in our homes, I understand that a certain ornament might not be something that has a spiritual thing to it itself. But there's a concept to it that attracts things outside. That's what we've got to be mindful of and careful of. You understand that the entire country and world got scared with COVID. I understand what COVID is. I understand that for especially older people, it's a scary thing. I get it. I totally understand it. Unfortunately, Brother Stan Will, he died. He's going to come back next summer and help us with our neighbor every ministry. Unfortunately, he's not. But thank God he's in heaven with God. But the truth of the matter is COVID does not. It does take people's lives. But there was a fear that gripped the nation and the world. And that fear was not from God. It was a spirit of fear. And everybody, all they had to do was be scared. And all of a sudden it got worse and it got worse. And there's people that were not normally just like crazy, like crazy out of their minds, like worried about things. And all of a sudden they were super worried. Why? Because that spirit just got greater and greater and infiltrated more and more homes. And it's even now it's still Pentecostal homes and Christian homes where people are getting scared of the virus. But we are doorkeepers. What we listen to every day can determine how we talk to our kids. What we allow in our homes can determine how we treat our children. I'm talking about us being doorkeepers. Doorkeepers. Amen? I want to be a doorkeeper. I want to be a good doorkeeper. The Bible... Basically, if you are filling your mind and heart and home with worldly things, then you will attract those worldly things, as I said. It's on us to ensure our home is a home of praise and prayer. We cannot rely on others to do this for us. Fathers, men, we are to be the pace setters. I will tell you, churches that have strong prayer, strong praise, you will see it's led by men. I'm not saying, listen, there's women. I've seen God use women in mighty ways, and God will use women in mighty ways. But God calls on men as the head. That's how he looks at it, just like the pastor. It's not that, that, that everything hangs on me as the pastor. 
I've seen God do things in churches where the pastor didn't have it all right, wasn't doing it all right together. I get it, it happens. But if we want to see apostolic revival, men, I'm talking to you. We have to be those pace setters. We have to be in the prayer room. We have to be a hands lifted up. We need to let our kids see us worship God. We need to let our kids see us get excited about God. I would hope that if your kid was asked, what they, you get more excited about is whatever is out there that you give yourself to or to God. I would hope they say, my dad is more addicted to God. He's more outward towards God. He praises God like no other. He worships God. He gives himself to God. I catch my dad praying. I catch my dad in a Bible. I catch my dad helping people. I catch my dad. I know dad, I'm preaching to you, but you got to understand, I have to live that same life even more than you as a pastor because I'm the example. If I don't set it, then nobody else will too. But we as men, we've got to be that example. That's why we're starting men's prayer tomorrow. Seven o'clock. We're going to do it every Monday. I understand if you got something going, you got a job, I understand. I, I try to set it as early as we can without being too early. I can do four in the morning. I doubt I'd, I'd be by myself probably. <laughs> but I'm not doing that to make anybody say, I'm trying to do it because we need to be pace setters. We as the men of our homes, we got to be pace setters. I'm closing. The musicians can come. I want to wrap it up with this. There's two different doorkeepers that we find in Scripture here. We find in this example, pretty much, there's a, there's a king, there's a doorkeeper by the name of King Saul. And there's a doorkeeper by the name of King David. They were born both doorkeepers for their family and the future of their family. One started out great. King Saul did phenomenal. He was doing wonderful. He was loving God. He was worshiping God. He was prophesying. He was doing the right things. Somewhere down the road, Saul started opening his door to the wrong things. And it wasn't God's presence anymore. It became something different. And when God stopped listening to Saul and hearing Saul, Saul ended up going to sorcery. He went to witches. He just, he had to hear something. He had to do something. And he opened a door to his family history. And God went on record to say, nobody in Saul's house will ever see a throne again. And it never happened again. But then there's another doorkeeper. King David started out good too. Worshiping God, praising God, who was known as a man after God's own heart. Sold out to him. He was a doorkeeper for his family. He was opening up doors for praise and worship and glory. David got sidetracked. He started looking through the wrong door. He saw somebody else. Be careful what you see on your screens. We live in a time today that access to pornography is higher than it's ever been. Access to garbage is higher than it's ever been. And that's what David said. He saw pornography. No, not like we see it. I understand. But he saw it in a different world. He went to his rooftop and he saw it. But see, the difference is that he was able to do something about that physical body. He had the king's authority 
to make her come over to him. And he called her over to him. And obviously adultery takes place. And he gets afraid because she gets pregnant. And all of a sudden he's like, I gotta get that husband home to, to sleep with her so he can be blamed for, for having kids. Because he's off in war like he should have been. So there's no way he's gonna get blamed for the kid. He's off in war. He's gonna get back to Nathan did. So he's gotta cover this thing up. And eventually he has to kill the man. David opens the door to sexual sin that never leaves his family. He never gets it out of the house. But because of God's grace and mercy, he shut that door. The damage was done. He went back to that door that brought him into kingship. He said, I need to get back into this door. I'm going to do what I can to bring back that right door. I'm going to do everything I can to bring that presence back. And so he does everything he can. And God even says, you can't make my temple because I'm a man, I'm a God of peace. Can't let a man or build my temple. So he opens the door and prepares the way for his son Solomon to walk in. Because of David's doorkeeping abilities of praise and worship, he sets his family up for the throne. And he goes all the way to Jesus. Even with some of his heritage, Heritage, genealogy later on, making mistakes and falling short. But it was only when one of his great great grandkids would turn to God, he would all of a sudden that kid, that that king would be blamed for being noticed as he followed his God like his father David. But when he didn't follow, he was known as something else. He was blamed for other things. If God was to write our story. What door would he be opening in my life? What door would he be saying, fathers, husbands, that were open, moms, wives, what doors are you opening in your life? Young people, what doors are you opening in your life? What are you watching? What are you looking at? What are you not paying attention to with God? We can stand. I want to be a doorkeeper. But a doorkeeper to the presence of God, not a doorkeeper to sin. Not a doorkeeper to, to false doctrine and false teaching and heretics and, and demonic things and devils. I want to be a doorkeeper to God's presence. I want to be a doorkeeper. That God can write about as a man after God's own heart. We got to make our house a house of prayer and a house of praise. We got to be the doorkeeper of the presence of God. If you want your home to be the place where God's presence is magnified, you must ensure that you are keeping it holy and you're keeping it pure. And instead of entertaining things of the world, you entertain the things of God. I want to encourage us this morning to be doorkeepers like King David. To be doorkeepers like King David. Yes, he made mistakes, but it's never too late to open the right door and close the wrong, right ones. Close the ones that are wrong in our life and open the ones that are right. We have nothing to lose. We have everything to gain. Every eye closed. 
I'm going to pray for us this morning before I open this altar. Jesus, I pray right now, God, that you minister, God, that you minister to every heart in this place. That you help us, God, to feel after you. That you help us, God, to be the pace setters in our homes. To be the pace setters in our lives. To not put all the blame on the church for this not happening. Or the musicians for worship not breaking out. But God, I am the doorkeeper to your presence. I am the doorkeeper to the good things of God. I am the doorkeeper to the holy things. Oh God, even if my spouse doesn't follow, I still can be that doorkeeper. If my kid doesn't want to listen, I still can just try to keep being that doorkeeper so that they have an opportunity to get into the right door. Oh God, help us this morning. Help us this morning, God. Oh God, help us this morning. This altar's open. This altar's open. If you want to make a place of prayer where you're at, go ahead. Or if you want to find a place in this altar, why don't you find a place, make a place of prayer. Why don't you call out to God right now. Oh God, you are worthy. You are worthy. You are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. You are worthy. God, there's none like you. There's none like you. Oh God, help us, Lord. Help us, God, to set the right pace. Help us, God, to open the right doors. Oh God, help us to walk through the right doors in our lives. Help us, God, right now in Jesus' name. Oh, in the name of Jesus. God, I want to be the right doorkeeper. I want to be the right doorkeeper. I want to open up the right doors in my life. I want to set the pace. Oh God, help us right now. Oh, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh, you are worthy, God. You are worthy. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. God, you are worthy. Jesus, you are worthy. God, that you encourage God, that you encourage
Oh God, so worthy, Jesus. So worthy, so worthy. So worthy, so worthy, Jesus. So worthy, Jesus. Oh, Jesus, 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 Jesus. you know this song, why don't you sing it? Jesus. Jesus, you change everything. 